Well, friends, welcome back to the layer of the DDODM. Welcome past friends. Welcome future friends. I still find that interesting that some of us are listening now and then some of us are listening in the future, but whether you're listening now or in the future, we're all together and we're all here now. It's an interesting thought. It always kind of always is when I start one of these. You know, they take on a life of their own. I wanted to give a couple of updates about... I was really excited about the uh, the play-by-post. It uh, was a incredible fun. About a little over a week I played it, and uh, we finished the first um, session. It was uh, very surprising to me how much I got involved and how much I enjoyed it. It's uh, We've got at least one new player that I was introduced to, so we're kind of uh, feeling that out, I guess, and seeing how that's going to go. I know, um, you know, it's kind of a new thing, so uh, for for me anyway, so I think we're trying to just work out how it works, you know, on, on this particular uh, on this particular forum. So it's been uh, interesting. I don't know. I know I was tasked. I could tell you that I got a one of the messages I got was to um, think about the future for my character and what I see uh, for him. Angle Azu now because he was um, Itax Astrala and he turned into Angle Azu, <laughs> which is interesting. So um, I don't know really what that means yet, but I'm sure that uh, I'll get other hints as the as the plot kind of thickens. I know I uh, just for fun we were in the tavern today, uh, the scrappy line in whatever strapping line in and I peeked over the rail and kind of you know tuned out to the if there was a musician that I tuned out to the bard who was playing and I thought he did a pretty nice job of of tuning me out I, I was very busy today outside of the the realms so I didn't quite get a chance to uh to soak it all in completely until I got home today but it was um it was nice. I don't know if there's a, a lead in there as far as the song was played or if that was just something that you know, he did to kind of uh, fill the time for me. But um, I, I guess I don't expect it to go too fast as we're, you know, still as a group, uh, you know, and you never you never know how these things are going to go. Um, but I, I hope, uh, I hope the... Everybody has as much fun as I did the last time, and I hope that um, I know I'll, I'll continue with this this session anyways, and probably session three too if there is one. I I jested, uh, joked the last time about my buddy had made some uh, enhancement trees that I wasn't, you know, before I met him, you know, I looked at some and I just wasn't really impressed, but some I thought were pretty good, so I covered those and then. I guess last week or so, sometime he had refreshed uh, the Bladesinger one, had me look at it. 
Then he also uh, surprised the hell out of me and did a Hexblade one, a Hexblade Warlock one. The interesting thing was it's a Hexblade, but like he tried to bury Pact of the Blade in there too, like to, to marry the two so that it was, you know, one you know, one class. They're actually not, they're kind of two separate features in, in 5th edition, so you'd have to kind of push them together to make them work. I looked a little bit at that, and uh, foolishly, um, he had posted it in several different parts, uh, so like the cores and then the uh, each tier. And I, I knew he was going to do that because apparently he felt that it was confusing for people to read all that text and was intimidating. So he figured if we split it up, it would be easier to digest and easier for him to edit. So I asked him if I could just take it and post it to the Facebook. <laughs> And he said yes. Well, I was proud of it, man. You know, I mean, he, you know, he let me. I think he kind of did that because I talked about so much in the last episode, and uh, I was very appreciative of the time he took to play the the forum, you know, the forum game with me. Um, so I, I was impressed by that, and I wanted to uh, show my appreciation. Um, even further when he came up with the uh, Hexblade thing, because I think he did that like as a like as a nod to me, like like it doesn't have to be over. I think that was the sentiment, just to make sure I kind of said the right thing. I so I talked to him up a bit a, a lot um, in the last podcast, and then I think he did the Hexblade thing sort of as a thanks to me for you know being gracious to him, and then. <laughs> As sort of, you can't be nicer than me. I, I uh, showed it off on the uh, the DDO Facebook, and um, a couple people uh, really didn't like it. <laughs> they, um, you know, they said it was uh, way overpowered, and they pointed to a couple of, I think, intentional um, red herrings that he put into the tree. Um, as um, very big carrots, but also knowing that they were kind of beyond what other enhancement trees are. I think kind of the point is, at least from what I was, when I talk, we talk about enhancement trees and whatnot, is the, and this conversation is really more for veteran players, so generally my podcast is new player friendly and this is just for new players. This is just kind of an insight um, to <laughs> if you uh, fall in love with this game like we do, you're going to find that um, geez, all kinds of theory and and uh, I guess the morality behind what is what is a good enhancement tree. Uh, highly debatable. So I think when I when we talk about it, and I, I talk to him. It seems uh, they're kind of intentionally a little over tweaked because it's better it's better that um, people have fun with it than it be necessarily one hundred percent balanced. I I tend to agree with him because I come from like I used to play a lot of uh, Skyrim and a lot of um, Oblivion. 
and I used to mod them a lot. I used to use a lot, a lot of mods. And when I played Skyrim, I used to have, you know, 15 to 1800 mods at a time running. And um, I played through many times. I played many, many playthroughs of Skyrim. And, and I can guarantee you that not all of them, most of them weren't very balanced playthroughs. Now, I did things to change the difficulty and change the combat system, sure. And I, I made it harder and made it harder on myself. But I always had a really strong progression system so that I would feel powerful you know, as I, as I gained levels. And sometimes, sometimes the mix wasn't always perfect, but um, generally I was able to always enjoy it a lot. And it had a lot to do with just, and I think this is why you know, Skyrim is um, so popular. Yes, you mod the world, but what that does is it allows you to create uh, the perfect character to go with it. And it doesn't matter if it's um, grossly overpowered. Um, you can be grossly overpowered in the base Skyrim game. Um, so there's no, you know, there's no, um, I guess there's no, there's really no balance there. I mean, there's balance, but there's no real balance when you're talking, you know, the alchemy skill and, and pump, pumping up your enchanting and stuff like that. There's just no, that's not really balanced and they never fixed it. You know, they never, of all the patches they've patched in and all the stuff they've done, they've never They've never fixed that. So I think that's, it's interesting to note that that's one of the longest running games and most popular games, most resold games in history and um, made by a hundred people. And it's uh, one of the most, most, most played, most beloved and um, talked about RPGs of the last, you know, 20 years. I think bringing a little bit of that to DDO is, uh, is it would be a good thing. I think some this kind of brings up. Uh, I'll be honest with you. There's a lot in my brain, and I, I had sketched out an episode that was fairly succinct, and I was going to talk about a couple things, but I'm, I'm I'm okay that this happened, as I don't necessarily um, want to talk about balance, but I think it's um, it's okay too. Balance is just one of those things where everybody's got an opinion, you know, and, and, and who's right, you know. And that's the whole point with the, my Skyrim anecdote there is that uh, the, the kind of the, the parable there, the proverb is like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter if it's overbalanced, it's not if you're overpowered, it's, 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 it's the buy-in that you get for the story and the character that you're playing. So we can talk a little bit about balance in the D20 system. And I think a great jump off and start point, starting point for me is the uh, Temple of Elemental Evil by Troika. And if you haven't played that game, uh, I would highly recommend you, you can grab it at good old games. It used to be able to for like five or ten bucks. You got to go to circleof8.org and patch it. It's worth the extra ten minutes of reading to patch it. And then um, you can uh, you can play it on your uh, your computer. It might run a little janky. I'm, I'm not sure. It's been years since I've I've played it on on my computer. But the one thing that um, 
so true about the game is that it's just straight from the letter of 3.5. The reason why that's important is because three the games, Dungeons & Dragons is always kind of balanced on no magic items. It's just balanced against each other. And then magic items upset that balance. That's what makes them fun to have, and that's what makes them so impactful. Plus one longsword is impactful because you're not supposed to have it, a plus one longsword. You don't get that until whatever level you, you know, you level up and either take the feat and or level up your strength enough ability score to get that extra damage. So if if you look at the game a little bit like that, I know that's kind of a, a janky way to look at it, but if we just take the plus one longsword example, that's really, you know, you know, uh, plus plus four to strength, plus four plus four to strength. So I'm so so very tired, guys. I've had a my teleport spell took me a long way, and I was at the very edge of my of my magical constraints when I showed up today. So you would be talking about a, a plus four to strength, which is uh, or plus 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 two to strength. So plus one to hit and damage is plus two to strength. And if you get something like that at level three, plus one longsword, it's pretty good. And if you're able to, if you do like, say, an elite stat array, where if strength was your main score and it was 17, and now you're at level three, you turn it to 18, you've increased that to, you see what I mean? You've kind of increased these things exponentially. And that's if you were... Um, you know, a more experienced player with that elite stat array. Some guys wouldn't do that. They might do, and they could build for, you could build many different ways and distribute your stats many different ways. My example is just if you use the elite array, which is well, 17, 14, 15, 13. It's been a long time. But so, so you, you would use the 17 on your strength. And this would, this would make your, um, your character feel very, very strong. Um, and it would make that plus one longsword feel really powerful. Uh, and then you, when you're level five and you upgrade to, say, a plus two longsword flaming, right, and we round the D6 to 3.5 damage per hit, um, plus you get a plus two, so it's plus, you get a plus two longsword, which is 1D8, so it's four and a half, plus so six and a half, six and a half plus three and a half. I mean, you're talking some pretty good damage for one longsword and we haven't even added the strength bonus in yet or if you're two weapon fighting so these things these things kind of unbalance the game a little bit and, and it's okay that, that doesn't seem like it unbalances it that much surely you know and and it's true that the the higher level you go the more these things um get away from you. The interesting thing and one of the things I think that really sticks out about the Temple of Elemental Evil is you'll get a lot of um, of uh, enhancement equipment and weapons for your melee and your character guys, your uh, your paladins, your frontline fighters. And it really doesn't matter because once your sorcerer, your wizard hits level 5 and you understand how fireball works, it just, it really just doesn't matter you know because fireball just blows up the room and these these casters have no you know they don't have any they're not the spell system is not like ddo it's very much to the rule book so there's no 
there's there's none of the hanky panky with the fire spell power and crit power and all this stuff. It's just straight. It does whatever one d six plus three or whatever it is. I, I don't know, but it would just do the fireball spell and boom, you knock the room out. I mean, it's it's really incredible. Well, you don't have to play that way, um, and I've played Temple of Elemental Evil many different ways. I can tell you that it's a very punishing game. That's really it was uh you know it was, it was released with some bugs, but. I really don't think that's the was the issue. I think the issue was that it was in, incredibly hard. Um, I remember playing it even as a kid and being like incredibly overwhelmed by the basic combat combat for a long time, just trying to figure out a way to get uh, some type of edge with my group. So it was very exhilarating to beat the first couple of battles and to get further and further and and it was almost a roguelike in that you would defeat one encounter and then you would move on to the next encounter and you might beat that one you might lose somebody you might almost lose somebody and then you go to say the third one and then things get really tight then you can rest then you start over but then you die and then you you might have to start over from the last save or if you were playing Iron Man you had to start over completely to me, there was a lot of completely starting over because it was, um, you know, it was party composition, spell composition. It was just very, the, the deeper you got into that first initial piece of the tower, which was very fun to explore before you realized you were in the Temple of Elemental Evil. So a long period, you're kind of just, you're thinking that the temple's coming later, you know, and they surprise you with the bat. Like a couple of things happen that are very fun and you go further, you go uh, further into the rabbit hole. So it's a, a very fun game. I highly recommend it if you're a big-time DDO player, you've got some racial past lives, and you really like playing DDO. I recommend you, you, you try the Troika's Tel- Temple of Elemental Evil. Excellent game, and it give you a good understanding of what 3.5 is supposed to be. So um, you won't think I'm, I'm crazy when I what I'm saying now, or about to say. Because... The whole, um, I've been seeing a lot of posts about Reaper and Reaper 11 and make Reaper 1 easier. And um, I just seen a lot of Reaper stuff on the uh, forums again and the suggestions and general talk. And I, I, it really makes me sad because I think Reaper is one of the most terrible things they implemented into the game. Um, a lot of people talk about getting one shotted or. And whatnot, and that that is something that happens in Dungeons and Dragons. Characters get one shotted, but it happens at level one, level two, level three. That's generally when it happens. Maybe level five if you get too big over your head and you challenge uh, something you're not supposed to. But in DDO, there's no more XP penalty, and there's no uh, your character doesn't die, resurrect with a lower con score every time you die. It just resurrects, and you're fine. So there's really no no punishment, and that's kind of why they can get away with killing your character um, like kind of cheaply, and the, the player's not really mind so much. So, you know, I, I know I, uh, you know, I posted the Archvillain mode, and I've got a, a podcast about it, and it's just a way to, um, a, another way to play DDO, I think. You know, there's been calls for a hardcore server, and that's kind of why I'm talking about this. Because, you know, the thing with the, the Reaper mode, and, and, and it's not all the monster design isn't bad in Reaper mode, just the, the system itself is bad. The, uh, 
you know, the, the whole design behind the monsters and the damage reduction, all these playing with all these numbers, are, that's terrible. And then give increasing uh, player stats to boot. It's just it's just terrible terrible design. And uh, you know, there's a nerf coming to casters. R seven and better. They're losing twenty percent of their damage, and it's you know, to me, it's um, who cares? You know, it's. Uh, Uh, the the biggest thing to me is that they're even wasting time on Reaper mode. That's the thing that kind of irks me a little bit because it's um I think it's a lesson learned. I think taking some of the mechanics for some of the mobs and you know remaking them would be fun. Um you know, some of these Vengeance Reapers and some of these other things that they could do to, they could tone it down, make it a real creature, give it a personality, you know, turn down some of the, the damage and the, some of the stuff it does. And, you know, it could summon some of its buddies and it could have a really fun time with the group um, in a dungeon, but not, you know, not um, necessarily kill it right away, but but work up to it and have, you know, have things in play that the players could work you know work against that scale so to speak so that you know that that meter is stopped or sto- stopped or slowed by how the players react as a team and that's just a very vague you know kind of vague thing so you know, I don't mean uh this exactly I just mean as a spitball method that if the doom reaper was a bad guy like a named bad guy arrival and he could summon other lesser reapers but they weren't reapers right they were different things and they had purpose and uh, in the world. I could see them, you know, having some kind of mechanic that they're building up over time on the player to kill them, and then the players would have to use their abilities to um, to to stop that, you know. And it could be just as simple as, you know, however long these things are alive and fighting together, they you know build up power, and eventually they're gonna able to kill somebody and if you kill one of the one of the three bad guys you know their their power is their meter is diminished and it fills more slowly right so that kind of i know that's really grossly uh uh pedantic kind of really really um simple but i just something like that i think is more would be kind of more more fun than just the uh just oops, oops, you're dead, and and that that kind of stuff is more fun, I think, in the lower levels, because it gives especially new players a sense of progression. It doesn't give old players that sense because old players, with number one, their past lives and just plain old game knowledge, um, really, really throws the whole system out of whack. And now we're now I'm going to go back to the item and back to the why. Um, magic items kind of throw the balance off because kind of what's happened in DDO is you've got these past lives that make uh, veteran players very powerful. So in order to to fix that for newer players, so newer players can be feel competitive with older players, they've um, they've generated more powerful loot for newer players to use so that they don't feel so far behind. And then they've changed the entire balance of the game. They add Reaper modes, so on and so forth. So when you have these things happening, um, 
it really um, it desyncs the game from from its its the progression curve that was intended and the way the rules are written. And now you have instead of a character, you know, very weak at the early levels, you have a character that's for the most part very strong at the early levels, and then um, very weak at the at the end game. You know, and that doesn't make much sense uh, to me. Um, some people say it's a challenge thing, but it's it's really not. It's just it's really not a challenge thing. That's not that's not a challenge thing. And, and the reason why I think hardcore mode is so popular is because it just removes that that um, overlootness that has happened to uh, the entire game. You know, all, all the set bonuses and you know the the things over the years that have really um, changed uh, the balance of, of of the beginning parts of the game. And that's what I found so compelling about um, about playing on hardcore because uh, this last time was really my first first time. I played it before, but this is my real first time get, playing it uh, sincerely. And I, I had some fun um, with it, but I I got to be honest, it seemed... There's still so many um, it was still I would just say it was a lot of fun, but what was fun about it was um just the lack of items you know and and that's why I think I'm not sure if in arch villain mode I suggested it or not, but I know I came up with arch villain mode it's not really mine totally it's uh I was talking to my friend of mine and and he kind of let me have it um but it was really uh, it came out from a conversation with both of us, and I know he had wanted um, a system where you kind of entered like almost an Iron Man mode, like where it was hardcore. You would TR into this mode where you weren't allowed to use any of your items from the past. You know, no bound to account, no bound to character, no items. You just had to make do with what you got. You could you could use all your you know, your past live feats and stuff but none of the uh, none of your equipment you could use and you actually had a version where every quest you would start with zero equipment and you have to pick up equipment along the way and I, I actually thought that would be really really fun to, to do um, just as a as a side note I guess I thought that would be an interesting uh, an interesting life and I think the point of it was basically and I'm just guessing because I haven't researched or read any of his we haven't talked about it so i think what it was was you would start with zero gear and you would you don't you'd progress and then if you died you would go back to level one and then you would have to roll out the character again and you could have the choice whether you wanted to continue to try to iron man mode again or you know that that hardcore arch villain mode again or you could have the choice of just rolling a regular character I think that would be neat. I, I was thinking about it today, and I was thinking, you know what would make it even probably more palatable is if you turned Iron Man mode on for players, and then you just, instead of making them do the, you know, the 4 million XP for level 20, you you, you would just bring it right back down to where it was, 1.7 or whatever the 1.5 million to, to 20. I think that would be kind of neat. Uh, if they could do it with no items, you know, that would be that would be pretty cool. Um, I don't, I don't know what the reward would be. I think just if you turned on the Iron Man mode, 
and lessen the XP gap, that actually probably would. Now that we're spitballing it, I think that would be a great idea. So you would you would start the character in Iron Man mode. You wouldn't be able to use any of your previous gear. So all the gear would have to be collected. You have access to your past lives and your past life feats and these these things, your tomes. So you're not going to lose anything that way. But the goal is to get to level 20 without dying. And if you die, you start back at level 1. If you don't, you get to level 20. You, you get there. Uh, you, you only have to earn 1.5 million XP. That would be kind of neat. I can see players... Um, players latching onto that that would be a, a whole lot of fun um it would add a little bit of um of a danger element to your um to your level ups and i, I would I, I can imagine uh people would be rolling all kinds of uh, rogue uh, monk rogue uh, paladin type types that, that would be kind of neat i didn't really have a I, I I did have a plan. I didn't really plan to talk about what we just did or any of that. I um I was looking forward to talking to the play by post, but that that kind of has slowed down a little bit. So, like I said, I'm I'm uh, I'm grateful to be able to participate. So I understand that it's going to you know, slow down a little bit. I wanted to, um, I wanted to talk, I'd like do a special episode on the Blade Singer tree, and then really the Hexblade tree, because I I really enjoyed the uh, reading that, and um, I think it's interesting the design philosophy that he's got about just edging the power of just a little bit more into the tree. You do stuff like that, and kind of he's kind of right. Then you can stop um, with the, you know, with so much loot for the power. You know, you're not you're not um, you're not over overpowering your 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 uh, your whole world with loot that's generated and stays in there forever. You so you can tweak the numbers a little bit every now and again. You don't gotta keep necessarily the same. You don't gotta nerf things into the ground. You know, like the twenty percent off the R seven and above, something like that. Whereas it's it's been so overpowered for years and years. That's that's. Seems reasonable to me. I don't know what the answer is or what the end game is. I don't know, you know, what their plan is for doing that. But, um, yeah, just for my um, my point of view, my perspective, I, I think uh, you you're, you are better off doing something like that. And then, you know, the re- the reality is you're going to get people who play uh, and want to play these cool newer classes. Um, oh, that's the other thing that came up was. Um, I saw something about races and uh, the glamour thing, and I did read I did read that thread about glamouring races to be whatever you want to be. There's like just like a basic. I'm not sure if anybody's really thought this through because it sounds like a great idea, and I I certainly agree with the sentiment uh, that you don't want to run around playing something that you don't want to look like or feel connected to. And I'm big on this in this podcast. If you listen to any of my other episodes, I'm very big on people on players buying into their character. That's the biggest selling point of DDO. But you don't want to, and excuse the, the turn of phrase, but you don't want to whitewash the races um, with just a, a mirror of glamouring, uh, like what was suggested in that thread end has been suggested before. Not to mention the um, 
and it's true the, the amount of animation work and adjusting that would have to go into um you you, you say you take a um I, i'm just off the top of my head the the gnome the deep gnome and his color spray it's going to look like it's coming out of your knees you know if you're if you're playing you know asimar or something like that and it's probably not going to feel good and the, the targeting is probably going to be off so that's going to need adjusting and they're going to have to do that for every every single version that the deep gnome can be they're going to have to get that right and that's going to take a lot of time and um i think that's why uh you know when my buddy suggested the half dragon thing i was impressed by it because the tree itself was uh was rewarding for melees for casters and could be used um, to, to, to bolster either. It could be a great uh, one thing I thought that was that I thought was great about it was that if you really wanted to make like a draconic monk, you could. So there was a so it was a half dragon that you could make a draconic monk. Also, you could use this in comparison with the Fate Arc Illusionist and make some type of you know sword wielding uh, paladin. Or you know, there's so many different things you could have you could do with it. Uh, that I thought was really neat, and then the fact that the custom, the um, cosmetics were unlocked um, progressively, and then customizable at the end, so that you could show as little or as much as you wanted, is um, is pretty awesome to have such a powerful tree um, open and available to each race, and now each race has this this um, the ability to kind of be half dragon, which is is powerful. You know, it's powerful for spell casting. It's powerful for you know you know, well, I, didn't, I don't really remember the tree itself to be quite frank but i know it's got some really cool uh cool attacks in it and i'm sure you could adjust it so that um it was more balanced but one of the things i did like about it was that it was uh it felt like when i read through the tree it felt like this was a half dragon tree it didn't feel like um uh it, it was, um, like when I look at the Dragonborn and I see the Dragonborn, some of their aesthetics are awesome, obviously. The, like the attack, the, their physical attack, and then their, like their just regular hand attack with the claw and the bite that they have is awesome. But it's not really used in the game, which is sad. But everybody that really plays the Dragonborn uses that, that caster level and the extra hit points. And I'm not saying that's bad or good, but I just feel like that it's just, uh, Instead of it becoming like you're playing a dragonborn, it's almost like you're playing a stat stick, like you're like it's just a different color stat stick. So that's what it that's what that that tree looks like to me, the the dragonborn tree, and the half dragon tree looks like it's built for combat, and it's like how what would happen if you would marry a a highborn race like the dragons. With a lowborn race like the you know the elves or the humans, you know they would you know, if you gave a human you know dragon claws and dragon wings and a dragon tail, they're going to hit people with it. You know that's what they're going to their first instinct is going to be to hit people with it, and then later they may think, hey, I got dragon blood. I can you know I can see in the dark. I can you know breathe fire or you know, whatever it is they can they decide to do. So that's you know to me just from a role play standpoint, and then from um how it was built that it was designed to be you know kind of like a, a melee a melee tree with the with the benefits of dragon blood 
So I thought that was was pretty interesting. I know, I, just off the top of my head, I remember there's true singing in there, and that's kind of, we talked, uh, I remember we, talk, we talked about it at great length when, it first, uh, when I first ran, and that's how I became friends with them. Um, and that was kind of because there was no dark vision or blind sense. So, you know, he wanted that early, earlier because of that feature is pretty early. And then, um, you know, the, the dragon claws were, were real important to him to have, uh, you know, to be powerful, you know. Um, and that attack animation that, that we don't see too much on the razor claw. Although there's a couple builds out there now that are good, but they're, you know, I don't know if it's, uh, they're, you know, legal builds, but they're good builds. They're, they're legal builds. They're just, um, well, they are what they are. So, yeah, so I think that that's the difference to me when I look at those kind of trees and then other uh, other trees. I think just the, like the tone of that tree, and maybe I'm just overdoing it because we've, we've had some trees come out now. We've had since I've looked at since I've discovered that tree, the half dragon tree, and then I've been able to play, you know, the storm singer and all these other classes that have come out. And I would say maybe the only one that was as fun. I mean, the acolyte was great, but the acolyte was great because, like, when my buddy's like, "This is my build," this kind of why I felt like it was great was because it reminded me of his half dragon tree, at least aesthetically, and then a little bit mechanically with the glare as opposed to the, the whip attack uh, that he had, uh, the tail attack that he had, you know, the melee elements. But I thought it was ingenious to do the melee elements as a magic damage, and it would be interesting to do that into a half-dragon. There were just very interesting elements, I thought. So I did really like that one, although after playing it for several uh, weeks, almost two months at Endgame, I would say that it is... Uh, Unfortunately, it, 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 it definitely feels more like a low-rent sorcerer than um, than playing a, you know, like this, this half-demon thing. But then again, are we playing a half-demon or a half-dragon, right? That's, are we playing that or what, what are we, you know, that, and I think that's the tough, that's the tough design thing when you lock it to a class as opposed to a race where you can bump up its to hit and damage just straight you can add something to the caster level the max caster level you can add something to the you can do all these other things so that it works really well with a warlock or works really well with um a paladin or a sorcerer or any other class that would work really well with i think there's even it takes it says assassinate dcs in that if i remember correctly it has assassinate dc and the half dragon tree has an aoe like vorpal attack where you cut the heads off your enemies with your tail. And that's, to me, I was like, this is great. And then it's got assassinate DCs. So it works with the falconry tree and the uh, the assassin tree. It works with, you know, the, um, uh, the um, geez, the, uh, the shadow walker. If you just, there's so many different combinations with that, so many different elements um, that I just thought were, and I guess that's why I'm, I'm still talking about it because as I see these new trees come out, um, it, 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 um, you know, it shows the, the rules that have changed, the PRR, the MRR, the evasion changes, the 
cloth changes. They are really starting to show their age. Um, uh, and I think something should be done sooner rather than later about how to fix those. Um, because I think it's just going to... Um, you know, the, one of the reasons why evasion is so powerful is because those those dex characters don't have too much else, you know. So you, it's tough when I run with my buddy, and you know, he, he most of the time he has no fails on one, but um, we were running something, and you know, he, he had rolled a one and it failed, and it was like ridiculous amount of damage. Um, and he's running an evasion guy, but because he doesn't have the MMR, MRR to block, you know, whatever the acid was, whatever trap popped out on him it was like hello you know he was uh <laughs> it took a big chunk of his life and then i just run through there on my you know on my uh you know my heavy armor cleric who's got no decks no nothing and you know it's like barely touching me it's like silly you know but then that was a change that you know that was made to please the masses at the time because they couldn't understand the rules <laughs> quite frankly so, I'm torn by that. You know, I'm torn by those decisions because I want to be upset by them. I am upset by them because they don't make sense. <laughs> they just don't make sense. So, part of me is upset because they, they're, they're rule changes that don't make sense and then they hurt the game, uh, both on the, the, the short end and at, at, the, at the end game. So... There was never a such thing as MRR or PRR or anything because it doesn't exist in 3.5. And I'm sure that that contributes to some of the lag issues. It must. So, I, you know, I'm not going to... I know they can't or don't want to undo it because it would be too much work. And I know that the dodge mechanic was exploited because they changed dodge and made dodge something into something that it wasn't. And then that got had to get nerfed because they... You know, they didn't think it all the way through or they felt like the mechanic wasn't wasn't doing well or working as intended. And you have to understand that, you know, Strim Tom likes to say, this game is easy, DDO is easy, it's easy, it's easy. And when you make these rule changes, like the rule changes I mentioned, that you're attempting to make it harder or easier for some, harder for others, it seems, um, because what you're doing is you're crapping on one character fantasy in favor of another character fantasy. And you don't want to do that when it comes to Dungeons & Dragons. You want to kind of make them all... Um, they're not all equally viable all the time, but certainly a cleric or a paladin in a Curse of Strahd campaign is going to be a boon to the party. And somebody that's a golem killer, like in Flesh Makers, right? Or... And Haywire's uh, grotto there. And that's going to be... And those are niche builds and those are niche things, but you see where I'm going, like that not everything's going to be... But there's mediums in there. There's, you know, the median the median kind of place. And I think adding those those things and then inflating difficulties on both ends, you know, you know to make the Reaper and then the, the casual casual. I just think that was a bad choice. Because it separated the player base way more than it was before. And then it separated them. You know, your build diversity is quote-unquote there, but let's be honest, like, it's not really. Because any player worth his salt that plays Reaper and starts to get 
play a little bit of Reaper, they start to realize that, well, you know, dis- displacement, you know, being displaced doesn't matter. So blur and, you know, displacement, those aren't things they go for because they don't matter. And that's, um, that's shitty because that's in a large part of the game. And it's a mechanic that, you know, your new players might build for, but old players won't build for it because it doesn't matter. And those are the kind of changes that they steal the character fantasy, you know? So, I don't know. And I don't know how, the, what the fix is or even why I'm really talking about it or how I got on this tangent. Because I'm not, like, upset, upset. It's just, I, I, I wish I knew how to bring it back. And I know part of when, when we talk about designing new trees and making them powerful, almost excessively so, it's, it's in a way that is to kind of compensate for the, what's been done and then you kind of go from there, right? I mean, that's the best thing you can do and then slowly kind of bring things into, into square. But I, I agree with the des- design philosophy that I would rather have something come out that's, that's really fun and um, powerful than have something that comes out that's less like so we had three classes come out last time and I'll just give this example so we had the Dark Hunter the Acolyte of the Skin and the Blightcaster now anybody that's been playing the game the last couple months which is the most powerful one say it with me one two three Blightcaster right Blightcaster's the clear winner so that doesn't feel good for someone who wants the Dark Hunter fantasy now should the Dark Hunter be able to have you know, as many AoE long-range distant attacks as the Blightcaster? Well, no. Absolutely not. But is there is there something more you can do? And I think with with the Dark Hunter especially is, you know, giving it the medium armor proficiency, unfortunately, and then the really uh, overpowered evasion, not evasion mechanics that they gave the Dark Hunter was, you know, I think that was a really good move um, by Standing Stone Games to uh, promote a healthy uh, diversity in character building and concept because that's uh, that's very powerful and that's it, it's funny to see that evasion come back for medium armor for rangers after it was killed um, in uh, medium and light it's it's sad it makes me sad because it's like it's like and I told you so um, be because now you still have to fix light and medium, light armor and cloth armor. You still have to fix that because clearly that's not not in par or in line with the rest. And it's because you made it that way on purpose because people whined and complained. So, but that doesn't mean that you can't bring those numbers back to um, something that's more satisfactory for, for those players. Because it's not stealing anything. Um, And, and I don't, and I don't know. You know, I've been running my racial lives like pretty, pretty hardcore, uh, and I'm almost done. And it's like, I don't remember the last time like I've run with a cleric. Even I've done a, a few raids where we're like we had clerics, but they were like multi class, and we still we weren't we doing R one heroic stuff. But still, it's like we weren't even. You know, you're not even using a, a, a cleric, but we've made all these rule changes. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It just didn't seem like it 
it didn't seem like it's it seems like it could be better i guess is what i'm saying because i see a lot of um the more uh, end game i play the longer i play it end game and the more people i talk to i i feel so much more limited in what is out there because of what's uh, acceptable um at the higher tiers of play and uh even though i don't always restrict myself to that i i find that i oftentimes do when i play it in game and that was my struggle to stay at Endgame with the Acolyte was that Jesus just isn't going to work. So I, I just got out. Um, now, different, uh, definitely different with the Bard. Um, I just didn't want to grind all the gear um, and didn't, didn't research all the gear and didn't want to. But I definitely loved the Stormsinger j- just as much, I would say, as the Acolyte of the Skin, just as much. Sad to see that we had to lose Swashbuckler to get the uh, Stormsinger. I'd much rather lose the War Chanter. Than the, uh, than the swashbuckler, because the swashbuckler is just too cool. So that that bummed me out. Um, there's also, you know, we, we introduced the imbue system. We have the the imbue dies are are for some reason some are d6 and some are d4, some are d8, and I just they they need to be kind of equalized if if. If you ask me, they, they need to be equalized um, so that people can play what they want to play. Um, otherwise, it just feels like you're going to play Wizard or Sorcerer EK, some form of that. And that's that's your imbue build, you know. So there's always going to be a best build and I'm aware of that there's always going to be the most optimal build and I'm aware of that it's just that it seems like all the optimal builds are all like the these pretty standard cookie cutter things and the reason why I want I haven't given we're not talking about the hex blades which I want to talk about is the hex blade tree that my buddy came up with is I think that we can just as well do it with the half-dragon template. That's I don't think it's been ignored. I just think that its um, its value is is not uh, is is underestimated. You know, um, highly underestimated because a build like that's going to make many other builds builds viable. You know. And I don't. I, I guess I don't see the um, the reason why we would want less fun in the game and not more fun. And to me, it would be less fun to pay DDO points to reskin my guy because I don't want to look at a frog character, and instead I want to look at a human character. So I would rather like have something powerful that I'm working with. I think it's it's um, it would be a boon to have something like that, like a, a template, a racial template, especially one that improves every single race in melee combat and caster and caster uh, combat. So, and it's also got a big uh, a big boatload of utility, like just built right into it. So, 
that now gives you every race has that now. And now it's your opportunity to say, what are we going to do next? Okay, let's take a look at the Dragon Marks and let's make these awesome again. And then let's come up with something new, the Aberrant Dragon Mark. You know, Aberrants are generally a lot more combat oriented. You know, why not Why not make it? Why not make one of them a Phantasmal Killer? That's, uh, that would be pretty awesome. I mean, you've already got the technology for it, you know. Uh, Strim Tom had an idea about, you know, bringing even more back to the 3.5 rule and, and not just when you unlock the enhancement in your racial tree that it would, it would actually add the spell to your spell book so that now it's, you know, I would imagine that it's coming from your spell point pool and not acting like an SLA, which uh, is a double-edged sword, but something to be said for that too. It would, hopefully it still goes off character level as opposed to what your caster level is. That, that would be, I think, the, the difficult thing. But, yeah, I think retooling those, it would be, that's a first great step. And they kind of, I think it's harder to add something like the half celestial with the scourge, although almost not because you could just simply add the smite to it, which they get, which would be kind of cool. And yeah, you start to build out these these more powerful races that have these extra abilities, sure. And they are more powerful, sure. But that doesn't mean you can't make the other races unique in their own way and powerful in their own way. It, um, I mean, very easily, I think you could. Um I mean, humans get uh, you know, humans get an extra feat at level one. I can see them unlocking, you know, in their enhancement tree, the ability to select maybe from another limited uh, feat list, so that they really get one feat, but they almost get two feats, you know. And this is just something I'm spitballing now, but this is just something you could do for um, for each of the classes to make or each of the races to make them feel just a little bit more you know, a little bit more um, powerful or competitive when it comes to releasing these these template races because you do want the template races to be a little bit more, um, not edgier, but just straight ed- more powerful um, in, in a lot of aspects, you know. So whether that's um, hit points, damn, whatever it is, you, you just want them to, to feel that way, to be just more powerful in general. But I think that you can still have a um, a whole game and a whole, like, just that one idea with the humans is a great idea. And I can um, uh, at being able to adjust, say they get two, uh, they can adjust two more ability scores by two for one action point apiece very early on by level three, say. 
and by level three they can add so they can add uh, two points to any ability score by level three and then at pick from a separate feat list that's maybe more limited but still you know maybe in line with what they chose at level at level one so it's something they can build on or build adjacent to something like that would be would be totally acceptable I think as well as you know you've added the the greater heroism spell and, and, and for some reason you've added those things and um you know, the healing amp and, and whatnot. So I think, you know, looking at the the skill and looking at um, the, the healing amp would be, uh, I think, a continuing line for them. Uh, but I definitely think a limited a limited feat selection after the feat chosen at level one, an easy two points to get two different ability scores in any one. They could plus one, plus one. Plus one intelligence, plus one charisma, plus two strength, plus two con, whatever they wanted to do. Um, I think that would be pretty neat. Um, you might you might have them, you know, and other ideas, you might be able to have other, you know, feet selections open to other races and they don't qualify for them, but they still can get them. And... Um, You know, I'm just thinking, you know, the halfling can use combat expertise, can pump the number up, like can get another five AC out of it. Um, and they say, let's say they suffer half the penalties and none of the DC, just half the penalties from using it. And, you know, so something like that. You can come up with these things that kind of make sense, you know, and that they completely fill out the race and what it's designed to do but in the guise of DDO and in the guise of this video game now that we've spent 17 years creating and playing but it just takes a little bit of um, I think a little bit of thought and then a little bit uh, I think some lore and you probably need to have I don't know I, sometimes I I, you know, I know you guys are passionate about the game but I just sometimes I wonder how much if you've played uh, Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> frankly, um, because some of the stuff seems to sound easy to me, um, and certainly many of my other friends, when we talk, it's, they seem easy to come up with. So, and I don't know if that's something that's needed, and that's one of the reasons why I started the podcast was so that we could highlight these ideas in case you didn't know. Um, these are up for offer. This is what the community is talking about. Um, certainly I other than probably this podcast and, and a few others I generally don't offer my own opinions like I've been so open tonight in offering them just as a spitball but I generally don't even do that I'll, I don't mind offering other people's but I don't like offering my own if I offer other people's generally I have a good chance to talk about them and I understand their point of view and and I can um, ask them about why and, and, and push them, um, you know, sort of against the rails or against the railing and, and, and see, you know, um, if, it, if it holds water, you know. But I do think that uh, that, it, you know, when looking at some of these enhancement trees, and, and I want to cover the Blade Singer one, but I don't know. I think I was coming. I was thinking about 
I was just thinking about it. I had a couple of ideas I wanted to maybe we'll wait on the blade singer thing but as a universal tree i think it's a great idea and i think there's a couple of other things you could probably add into that that would really make it shine and then you know definitely like the blink thing and stuff like that was cool that's really cool and interesting and you could give that down to any any character um But, I, you know, and I absolutely see how it, it's it's powerful. But I, you know, there's a lot of uh, complaining about what's happening in Reaper mode. So, I mean, until you can fix that, I, I mean, I think that overtuning some of the stuff that, so that people survive is, is quite okay at the very least. And uh, if not, they get a couple of kills before the casters get to everything. That's fine, too. I'm not trying to. I, I feel like I sound negative, and I'm not trying to. Um, I did have a rough day, so it could be, it could be that. Uh, so, but I mean, I, I'm not lying or making you know, being you know being critical for the sake necessarily of being critical. It's just something that was on my mind when I was driving home, and it kind of unraveled a little bit more and more. And it's. Uh, and just something I desperately would like to see fixed is the is the balance, and then it's just okay to me that things are a little out of whack in favor of the runner. You know, when in doubt, the tie goes to the runner, and I just I'm okay with that, and I don't think that hurts the game. Would it be? I mean, I, I you know I, I I've tried the Blightcaster, I've tried the. I played three lives as the Alkalite, four lives as the Acolyte to the skin. I played one life of the Blightcaster, and it was so much noticeably noticeably easier, like ridiculously so. That doesn't make me feel good, because I love the Acolyte. You know, and are there going to be power differences? But there's so, is it, that does it have to be that drastic? I mean, it seems like you're either a, a sorcerer or you're not, you know? So I just think... Still, some of the things to think about, you know, is you don't want to, you want to release things a little overtuned. I think my buddy's right about that. I think you want to release, especially something that you think is, you know, not, like let it be overtuned. What would be the big tragedy if the demon form was like way overtuned, like virtually unkillable for the, you know, the, the whatever the thirty seconds or two minutes you were in it? Well, how, I don't know how long it is. I can't remember. I think it's thirty seconds, right? So, what's the? Well, what would be the big deal if you're pumping out an insane amount of damage and completely unkillable, and then you just deflate and go back to regular, like just just the way you are right now, like all your stats go right back to nothing would be bad about that, because I would feel like a low rent sorcerer throwing my dragon fire breath and my stupid fucking hellball right from the exalted angel tree. But then every 30 seconds, I would feel like a badass. But instead, I never use that, and I always stay far back. But the Blightcaster, the guys who plays the Blightcaster, they don't have to feel that way about their spells and their abilities. They get a shit ton of fucking hit points, you know, constantly. You know? So I, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to throw that out there so you see it from a player's perspective, that it's not, it's not healthy. 
for the game for it to be like that for these to release like this because they're going to breed um, division in the community. Um, and I, I do think that I haven't even played Dark Hunter, but from what I see of it, I think it's in a good spot just because of the survivability through the leveling process would be good. Medium armor and, and this, these things. So... But what I what I see with just those two comparisons is, you know, when you just think about that one that one nugget, like what's the what's the harm in overtuning that fiendish symbiosis so that it's ridiculous, just ridiculous, and what would happen if you said you decided that okay when you fiendish symbiosis you do the claw attacks and then. Both of your your cone attacks, your your eye beam attacks, both of those are doubled, but so is their cooldown, right? So their their range is doubled, right? That would be incredible. That would make you feel super powerful, all through heroic and through most of the reaper. And then when you play in reaper, if you were damn near unkillable in that thirty second mode, that would be cool too. You know, and yeah, some guys are gonna be able to abuse it. Okay, great. So what? They're the same guys that can do it now. At least they're using it. At least it's being used for something. Would you rather it be used for something or not? You know, I mean, or did you just waste your time making it because you were too afraid that it was gonna be overtuned or something? You know, don't don't be, don't be worried about that. Let people have fun. <laughs> Let them enjoy it. You made it's a great thing that you made. So. I know that's kind of where I'm... I, I hate to end on such a sour note. If it's sour, I don't know if it's sour. But balance, yeah, balance is one of those things, man. It's 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 in the D20 system. It's totally out of whack, uh, especially for magic users, the higher level you go. It's always unbalanced by magic items and magic uh, weapons. And... That's something that we should look at as players in DDO. We should be looking at these items and these things and you know, going, what's going on? You know, like what, what's going on? We want to feel powerful, but do you want to feel powerful at the expense of the game itself so that the game itself is going to be destroyed? It's going to be nothing like Dungeons and Dragons, you know? So just some things to think about. You know, Blur used to be this big deal. And then it was attached to a couple of items. And it was attached to a bunch of items. And now it's now it's not even something you build for. Maybe stacking in corporeality, sure. But even then, guys don't generally build for that because it's just not as good. You see, you see, see what I'm saying? So, like, think about that because each thing that gets good like this has to change. It has to get reset to zero and it has to put you on a different scale. So it doesn't have to be that way. We can kind of, you know, change it a little bit, I think, you know, but it's not really up to us. And that's, you know, the name of the podcast, DDODM, is intentional. And it's intentional because um, it's a big responsibility to be a DM. People leave game tables all the time over dumb stuff all the time. And it's all about the rules, and it's all about, 
It's all about their character, and they want to do this, and they want to do that. And um, the longer DDO has been around, the more D&D-like it's become, which is it's good in terms of the, the stories they put out, the content they put out, but not always in terms of the rule changes that they've made or the, the power of the enhancement trees. That's not always been the case. So... It really sucks that, you know, the ESOS is like this great weapon and I don't see many other weapons being used. Still. Now that's cool and everything, but like let's do something about that, you know? Let's let's fix that. You don't fix it by nerfing the SOS or you fix it by making giving power to the players. Allowing them to customize into something that's that's better than that, you know. Anyways, I don't. I really hope this doesn't come up. If I really apologize if it does, I did have a I did have an all you can do day, and I don't want to take it out on DDO or those of us who play. But I I did think about this a lot today, and it was on my mind and. It's on my mind because I don't like people playing other games. I mean, I know we're going to play other games other than DDO, but it sucks when people are not talking about DDO. And and I'm glad my friend's doing the the forum posting because that's really, that's the heart of D&D is is the story. It's it's, it's the control you have over your character to experience the world through your character that's what's so impressive about the forum post thing is that I feel like I experience it right through my character's eyes and I want that to translate a little bit more into DDO I just I think that um, we're going to have to see progression go back to the way it's supposed to be and that is the higher level you get the more powerful you are not the less powerful you are and I understand that you want players to grind but I, I honestly believe that the past life thing is is grind enough for anyone. And adding these really, you know, these ingredient runs and these complicated crafting systems that are numerous and bloated, just they just don't seem fair to new players. And they've exasperated old players. Certainly I am. And yeah, man, I've... I got my, uh, you know, I got my Isle of Dread stuff, you know, but at the same time, it's, it was terrible, terrible to get. I hated it. I hated getting it. I love the music. I love the quests. I love the story, but I hated getting it. I had to play it. No one wants to have to feel like they do anything. They just want to do it because it's fun. And when you get lost in something because it's fun, you're not counting the hours or the times or the ingredients that you need. You're just having fun. And it's okay to tune the game so people are just having fun. And you can still present a challenge. I think that um, you know, players have debuffs and buffs and you've got that system. And I, I gave you a little bit of hint anyways with the uh, meter system there. You know, about how players can watch. You know, you can telegraph that stuff to players. You can put that stuff on their screen. You you, you guys can do it. You have the power to do this stuff. You know, to, to create, make this stuff awesome. 
And I just think uh, you need a little push in the right direction, that's all. But I know stuff like that has uh, entered into other games and have made it really fun. Um, whether it's because each each group of enemies or each rival can be different. You know, each way they fill that I'm going to kill you bar can be different. Or how they get raised or however they're going to, you know, if they win the game, you know, that, that bar is filling. And yeah, it can be kind of a time mechanic and it could be kind of stressful for some players, but you just don't, you don't, um, you don't let them not know how to handle it. You you teach them how to handle it and you let them figure it out. And um, something like that would be great fun and it would certainly, um, certainly you could use that several times in a quest, I would imagine, you know, especially if there were, you know, extenuating circumstances in the storyline where, where there was multiple boss fights or, you know, certain chests or however it works. It's better than just, just you know, whacking on a, a, a hit point sponge and healing through everything else or, you know. I'm thinking of some of the Shadowfell stuff where they had us bounce back and forth between the Shadowfell and the, the real world. And, and we're talking about something that's kind of similar, but not. It's more visceral and more in your face. We're talking about something, but something similar, something that's going to make you react to what the bad guy is doing, right? And that's sometimes it's not always comfortable for players to do. Certainly in a mechanic where you're chasing somebody back and forth in Shadowfell, it gets a little old. But something like this, where you're, you know, shit, we don't want this thing to go off because then this guy's going to get this curse or this death knell thing's going to go off or this thing's going to get summoned and now we're going to have to deal with all these things too. You know, so it's, uh, and they don't, every meter fill doesn't always have to be the end of the game. You know, it can be just something harder and then another bar fills and then another bar fills. Who knows? Maybe you get two or three bars and then that red one, you know, people start dying. Who knows? I don't know. You guys can do whatever you are, the DM, not me. Um, I didn't talk about, with anybody about this. I usually talk about my ideas before I just shoot them out there, but I don't even like doing it. I just, I didn't want to just offer criticism without some type of, some type of solution. I think that that's a good solution is, is to have some type of metered system, metered boss system. So, um, there's a, there's a system that you can, you can have and replicate and easily build on and change so that players are accustomed to it. And then, yeah, you'll have to, at some point, you'll have to change it. You know, at some point, you'll have to add, you know, either like a, like, a, like a punch mechanic to it or a star mechanic where things, you know, maybe things flash at certain times. And there's just so many different things I think you could do with a, with a video game system that's based on D&D in, in real time. I just think there's so many cool things that would mimic a turn-based type deal that would be fun. So thanks, friends, for listening. If you made it this far, um, I, I didn't mean to uh, certainly be negative. I, I'm very positive. I think the game's healthy, and I think the lag is a good thing because that means we get a lot, a lot of players coming to the game, a lot of returning players. And the biggest thing for me is, um, you know, I played since 2008, and I never really said anything. You know, I never really said anything on the forums, and I never really participated in the conversation on the Internet. And... And I am now because, you know, 
17 years old. I don't know. I want this game to be forever game. But, you know, if I don't say something now or we don't say something now, I don't know that things will will have the opportunity to. But I definitely think the uniqueness is there and the fact that we're the only ones doing this. DDO is the only one where you can create your own character. I think we got to push for it, and I think we got to push hard to have fun characters and uh, strong characters. And not just because they have ridiculous loot, but because they've trained hard. They took the right feats. They put their stats in the right place. That's what. So, all right, my friends. I hope to see you sometime this week, uh, later this week. I always enjoy talking. Maybe I'll put something together for that Hexblade. Uh, you should do my friend a favor and um, criticize it a bunch so he has to fix it. So when it comes to my podcast, it, it's perfect. <laughs> And everybody agrees with me that it's perfect. All right, my friends, I will, um, I'll weave my teleport spell and think of me what you will. Don't think ill of me. I I love the game as much as anyone. I just, I do feel responsible to say what's on my heart. That's all. But it's not not, not negative. I, I love uh, Standing Stone games. I know those guys work hard. I do. I truly do. I just think that I, I, it seems to me that there's just nobody nobody really has, has played much of the tabletop gamers. It seems that way. I mean, it just seems that way from um, the expression I see in the game, the timidness of, of uh, oh, well, don't make that too much overpowered. Oh, tune that back. That just seems, uh, that's not to me, that's not a, you know, most of the DMs I've run into are like, yeah, give it a shot. And if it's too overpowered, they fix it later. You know, they let you go that session and then they're like, yeah, right, man. Well, you know that plus five Zord I gave you, that Vorpal? Well, we're going to have to make that a plus three and it's uh, going to be wounding, okay? <laughs> On crits, it'll do some frost damage, 1d8, you know? So yeah, that's how it goes, you know? And, um, but you don't, uh, you know, the player would know that, you know? They would know, like, when I was playing my, um, my accolade of the skin, for example, and I I didn't have Wellspring, and I, I wasn't really, um, I mean, I guess I was specced for fire, but, you know, my um, my Dragon Breath was hitting for 45k. You know, I mean, that's retarded. Um, and I'm not like an endgame geared player. I can only imagine what some of these endgame raiders are, are hitting with, with their numbers. So... Yeah, but do I think it should be nerfed? Well, not no, not necessarily. The only the weapon I had, and you know, in our six and above, was that one 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 attack, pretty much. So no, I don't think it should be nerfed. I think other things should be brought up. I think the Eldritch Blast blows on it. You know, two or three k, you know, down down to fifteen k in R six is a joke. It's my main class feature, and I'm hitting for fifteen k. Get out of here. Forget about it. I got I got other casters one shot and everything around me with death spells. You know, my class feature, the main thing in my class is hitting for seventeen hundred. You know, what am I melee? <laughs> just kidding. I mean, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, now I'm in a better mood. Thank you, my friend. Thank you guys for uh, for sticking with me. Thank you so much. I'll see you next time. Poof. <laughs>